Welcome to Screen Quest, a podcast where a fellowship of film lovers and armchair movie experts plays film roulette. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Waterbid, joined as always by Mae Finch. Hello, hello. Of course, we also have Agent Will Rotondi. <laughs> hey, how's it going? On today's episode, we will be talking about The Matrix, the original film. And the context will be, who's the real villain? I'm very curious to see what Will has in store to generate that discussion uh, around that topic. But first, we are going to introduce another film term that we haven't done one of these in a while. So straight from studiobinder.com, which is an excellent resource for all stuff film nerd, uh, we have the following definition. A sound bridge, also called an audio bridge, is among many editing transitions that utilize sound to tell a story. So uh, a sound bridge transitions one scene to another through a sound. Also called audio bridges allow filmmakers to transition in or out of a scene by bridging the gap with audio. Now, there are actually a couple of different types of sound bridges. So you have a dialogue sound bridge where a character will start speaking in the next scene before it's actually cut to that scene. There is a sound effect sound bridge where it is a sound effect that does the same thing. Um, so I'll, one of my favorite ones is a uh, I'm trying to think what film it's in, but there's like somebody screaming and it turns into a train whistle like as it goes from one scene to the next. I'll see if I can dig that out of my brain uh, when doing the edit and I'll put it in here. Finally, we have a music sound bridge, which is something used a lot by Quentin Tarantino. So um, you'll have like music start playing. Uh, as a scene is about to transition from one to the next. So very cool uh, editing technique that's really trying to clue the audience in for a transition. And I think when used effectively can can generate some really, really cool uh, edits. Are you guys familiar with this? Like me describing it? Like, are you like, oh, yeah, I've, I've seen that or like I, I've recognized that in some films before. I definitely I have. But I feel like it's usually so subtle. It's kind of one of those things where it's like, if you notice it, it doesn't mean it's bad necessarily, but it's like they wanted it to stand out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like the uh, the movie you're talking about is probably, wasn't that like the second Jurassic Park movie? Wasn't that the, like way back? Not like Jurassic there, World and all that, but like Jurassic Park, The Lost World. There is a great one where the lady's screaming, but Ian Malcolm is yawning. So like, like yeah like like it cuts to like you know jeff goldblum just mouth agape yawning and like her scream is coming out of his mouth that's a very cool one as well but a great example not the one that i'm thinking of i feel like it is a train whistle that like it goes to i'll have to dig through my brain and and see if i can come up with it but um another example that they have listed here on the studio binder website is uh saving private ryan so when the old man is kneeling at the graves and like the sound of the waves are like in the background and like it zooms in on his eyes and he's like living in the moment and then it cuts to like the men and like the boats and like the the waves are crashing and all that so um yeah very very cool so hopefully we all learned something new today um i didn't of course because i'm i am i am the armchair movie expert no (laughs) i'm kidding i actually um i didn't know that there were uh you know those other different types of them like i knew about the uh like the the dialogue and the uh the sound effect but i hadn't thought about music being a part of that but makes perfect sense well all right let's uh let's have us a, a side quest and then let's jump into the world of the matrix 
It's been way too long. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So we have a throw your popcorn. So (laughs) this one is discuss a movie scene that made you throw your popcorn at the screen, literally or figuratively. And if neither of you have one, um, I uh, I certainly have one that is relevant to the film we're talking about today, kind of, sort of. So this moment for me is not in The Matrix, but in its second sequel, The Matrix Revolutions. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll, we'll delve into a little bit later, I'm sure, like some of the sequels and things, but... Um, no spoilers, please. Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> or, you know what? I, I, I can skirt around it, I think. All right, I'll skirt around it. Like, I, okay. I won't give any context of the who or the what, really. So there is a moment towards the end of the uh, the third Matrix film, um, as you can tell, probably having just seen the first one, philosophy and allegory like features very heavily like in the films. And there is a moment that is so heavy handed of like, in case you didn't know that this was the allegory that we were trying to like allude to and like the sort I and again, I'm, I'm being very careful here. Here is a a line that is so on the nose, like ridiculous, cheesy. And like, I groaned audibly in the <laughs> film. Like I, I groaned audibly. Like I was already not having a great time in revolutions, unfortunately. Um, And I was just like, Oh my God. Like, well, I guess we, we've gone from having like, it, like it really is quite the swing because I feel like the second matrix film is almost like too heady compared to like to like the first matrix film i think balances like the cool fun action with like the like some heady philosophy and things second one gets really deep down the rabbit hole um and like kind of hurts your brain at times the third one kind of swings back to the other way where it's just like it, it's like well um we're going to overly uh explain and make this super obvious and you can just turn your brain off and yeah it's that that particular moment when you w- watch it um I'm sure you'll probably know what it is. Like I would, I think like, but it is like probably in the last 10, 15 minutes of the movie. And it's horrible. Do you know what I'm talking about? Will? like, you don't have to vaguely, or at least the general scene that has been set up when that takes place. Uh, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And I would say okay. that, that the, that the matrix revolutions at that point in the original trilogy was the weakest of the three and understandably. So like, I still appreciate it for what it tried to be and I still like it for certain points, but I agree that was kind of the, that was the bumpiest road, the bumpiest finish um, to try and pull off. But yeah. And then arguably with the the fourth one that just came out, but, <laughs> but I, I'm yeah, curious. I think I do. I, I, I do want to see the fourth one now. And um, I bought like the, the, trilogy was like dirt cheap like on voodoo like a couple years ago so i had them all in 4k um mm-hmm. so i think i might watch like uh reloaded which it's not a perfect movie but there's some great sequences like that highway chase at the end is just oh phenomenal. man yeah mm-hmm. um but uh i haven't seen revolution since the theater so like maybe <laughs> it deserves a reevaluation, you know um but anyway so that's my throw throw your popcorn movie and it's uh it's relevant to what we're talking about today thankfully i didn't have any of those for for this movie um will your pick so uh before we like get into like the nitty-gritty can you just kind of outline why you chose it for who's the real villain like what what was your general thought process um 
I think because this film, I grew up watching this, like, I, I saw this film the first time back in middle school, and I loved it for, like, all the, you know, the, the martial arts and the special effects and the sci-fi and the cyberpunk and all that. And then it sort of grew on me more, like, as I got older and read more into, like, some of the discussions about the philosophy that's in it or the um, the religious connotations that are in it, that it it felt deeper to me the more times I would watch it after that and, and would read more about that, even in like some of the classes that I took uh, back in college. And then it was, it's always fun too, when you watch a film enough times that you kind of like to play devil's advocate a little bit with who the good guys and the bad guys are and the choices that they make. Kind of like you go back and you watch Star Wars and you want to poke fun at it and be like, well, you know, is Luke Skywalker a hero or did he just murder like a shit ton of people? And so, I don't know, that's kind of the same way I like to look at The Matrix, where it's like, you watch a film enough, you appreciate it enough for what it is, you kind of like to poke fun at it, and some of the other stuff, you know, in the plot. And so that was mostly why, having gone back and watched this again now, and had, you know, a few years in between the last time I'd seen it, um, I thought this could be a great... There's a lot of interesting characters, and there's a lot of interesting sides to it, where you could argue that um, it's not all exactly you know the, the the humans aren't always the the people that seem the best at the end of the day so i thought it was a good choice to go that route perfect i personally think it's a great pick and i'm excited to hear what you guys what your arguments are same oh yeah same well, I mean, we can just go ahead and jump right into it, man, uh, to give a little bit of preliminary stuff for any of our audience members who have not seen The Matrix before, um, as I have come to realize getting older that not everybody has anymore. Um, but that <laughs> came out back in 1999. I was directed by the Wykowskis, and it went on to spawn, as Chris alluded to already, two direct sequels, which included The Matrix Reloaded, The Matrix Revolutions. There are a couple of tie-in video games. Uh, there is a series of anime-style short films that was collectively called The Animatrix, which is also I would recommend checking out. Uh, comic books, and then the 2021 fourth installment, The Matrix Resurrections. Uh, the Matrix stars Keanu Reeves, Lawrence Fishburne, Carrie Ann Moss, and Hugo Weaving, among several other uh, in the first film and throughout the trilogy slash, I guess, quadrilogy at this point <laughs> and uh, I guess to kind of summarize a little bit about the look and the feel of the film I mean it's it's heavily influenced by anime notably like Ghost in the Shell um, for those who may have seen that uh, there's plenty of martial arts action to counterbalance all the cyberpunk uh, atmosphere and the use of wire foo, I think is the right term. It's where you see actors that perform these exaggerated superhuman flips and acrobatics thanks to wires and pulleys that are then removed in post. And it's also a film that was noted for popularizing the use of bullet time where you have multiple cameras that are set up in a series and take single frames each in succession, which creates this slowing down effect of time uh, when arranged together. So it looks like as you're moving around, an object time is slowed down. So if, for instance, if you saw the film and you're watching, there's one scene where Neo is dodging bullets that are being fired at him, Neo being played by Keanu Reeves. Uh, and when he's dodging, we see what looks like the camera is panning around him when really it's a succession of cameras that were used to get that effect. Um, and then if the practical effects weren't enough, I mean, the reality, if you will, of what the Matrix is has influences that would make it like, as Chris would talk about, you could just nerd out over it. I mean, we could recap the plot of the film, but 
I'm just going to pull one from Morpheus on this one and say that you can't really be told what the Matrix is. You have to see it for yourself. So if you haven't watched it yet, I encourage you to do so. And then we can, uh, you know, regroup for the podcast at that point. But yeah, I guess besides spoilers here. So feel free to go full (laughs) spoilers. I think it'd, it'd be very difficult to talk about your your prompt without discussing yeah. what the matrix is so uh if you haven't seen this like no worries but uh definitely um go watch it and, and come back we'll be waiting for you <laughs> but i guess if that um to kind of leave it from that i would be to turn over to general impressions of the film and to see what you all think thought about it having gone back to watch it another time for chris and then may to hear your thoughts as well, uh, since this was the first time that you've been able to watch it the whole way through uninterrupted. So <laughs> actually, I'd like to, May, if you don't mind me picking on yeah. you about that, I'd, I'd like to hear your your thoughts first uh, to see what you thought after having finished the film. It's funny because where, where I ended the last time I tried to watch this film, uh, where first I was watching it with fell asleep for good reasons, not because the film was boring, but... <laughs> um we we stopped like right after they get neo out of the like battery pod like his actual body out of the battery pod so like the film is just getting interesting when we stop which i think is part of why it took me so long to like try to watch it again uh but i'm really glad i did because i would say like the rest of it is fantastic from there um yeah, no, I really loved it. I think there are parts where, uh, similar to Chris's throw your popcorn thing, it, things seem like very on the nose and al- almost painfully sincere. <laughs> but I don't know. Everything else was very dark and gritty. And so it was kind of endearing to have those little moments of emotional sincerity. I don't know. It really worked for me. I liked it a lot. And um, I... I think I tweeted about this, but I really love that there was a Disney princess kiss that saved the day. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Of all the tropes they could put in here. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Yeah, it's Sleeping Beauty almost, right? In that moment, his heart has stopped (laughs) completely. And yeah. Oh, yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's sort of it does have its moments where it's almost cheesy, especially like you go back and watch it now and it's like, this is kind of cartoonish or cheesy a little bit, but at the same point, it's like, but it is bad. It, it, it finds a balance to itself that isn't so, I don't know. It works. Like you mentioned, it's kind of like in some ways watching a lot of, and I I've, I've already mentioned anime and martial arts too, but it's like, it's sort of that it's a little bit poking fun of itself, but not so much that you distance yourself too far from what they're trying to do i don't know if that makes any sense but that's kind of the vibe or the feeling that i got going back and watching it again but but yeah, yeah. successfully walks a pretty tight rope yep. mm-hmm. yeah absolutely chris how about yourself man i know you said you've you have seen this several times before uh what was the last time and what did you think going back into the matrix um probably a couple years ago when i bought the trilogy on sale like i just Mm -hmm. this one i'd watch like it was just one of those things where the price of the trilogy was as much as i would have spent on one film so it was like you know what like might as well like just in case um i love it man like um this is a movie that i feel like came out in the perfect time of like where technological advances had gotten but also it was sort of early internet culture and um like the marketing was quite smart like 
this was probably the earliest film I can think of, like where spoiler culture was very much like a thing where people were like, no, don't like, you, like you got to just like see it. Right. And it wasn't even like, don't look anything up. Cause like, I think at this point, like discussion forums would have been the only way besides somebody talking to you where like, it could have potentially been spoiled. Mm-hmm. I missed it in theaters, but I rented it on videotape and uh, like on actual VHS and uh you know that it had been out for that long and still hadn't been spoiled for me so uh it was very very cool to have that marketing campaign of like what is the matrix you know and and then to know that that was the central mystery going in and then the the reveal was was quite awesome like i just really really enjoyed that and of course um I, at that point in my life, I was unfamiliar with things like Neuromancer and Akira and all these things that really played a heavy influence on this. Um, mm-hmm. So it was a nice gateway to some really, really cool pieces of art, like in other mediums. And um, I think subsequently, the thing that I can say that I really enjoyed this particular time around was, um, you know, since the Wachowskis have transitioned and sort of reveal that this this film is about that largely um not being able to like unsee like all the things that are are kind of like more obvious like with that context in mind and that's sort of the reading that i had this most recent watch and i thought it was really fantastic and added another layer of enjoyment uh for me you know to have something very personal much of the way that celeste the video game did when i first played that that was not apparent and then the creator of celeste came out and said like that this is what this actually was it's not wasn't just about anxiety and depression there was this very personal story that i was trying to tell and like makes it even more beautiful in my in my mind so um i love it. i don't know i think this is a perfect sci-fi action film like you know um not a perfect movie but like i think as perfect as you can get within that genre and i think it's totally stood the test of time so yeah i'd have to agree i mean just from the the fact that it is able to and as you mentioned too, walk that fine line of being able to try and pull these influences from martial arts, trying to have enough science fiction in there as well to keep the story cohesive, trying to not be too heavy-handed for the most part, you know, with some of the allegories or the phil- uh, the I guess the philosophical debates that are in there, you know, some of the Easter eggs that you see that pop up, whether it's um the book that neo opened or thomas anderson slash neo opens at the beginning of the film um about was it simulation and simulacra I yeah think. And... I, caught, I caught that this time that's another benefit of rewatching the first part i guess is i noticed yeah. more mm-hmm. yeah or like the little one-off liners where somebody calls him his own personal jesus or you know just just the stuff where you're just like ah yeah <laughs> there it is <laughs> it's just fun to go back and just and listen for that but yeah, where it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's too much of anything. It feels like it's just the right balance that you need to tell that story. And then also leave everybody open to want to see more because isn't that, you know, you want to leave it open, but you still want to have some kind of resolution to the story that you're dealing with. So it wasn't just like, hey, we're going to throw this out there and leave you on a cliffhanger. It's more like we're just going to leave this open. So if this is it, you know, that's fine. But there could always be more from it after. Um, so yeah, although I will say the only thing that and it's not necessary. And maybe it is a throw your popcorn moment for me. Was Neo flying <laughs> at the very end of the film? I thought was just the one thing that felt so out of place. I mean, don't get me wrong. Stop. Apparently, for me, stopping bullets in midair is perfectly understandable <laughs> after having just been reincarnated, or like not reincarnated, but like 
being revived from death by getting kissed and then being able to stop bullets, you know, with your mind. But hey, you know what? If you start flying, that's completely, you know, batshit crazy. Can't buy it. So I don't know what that says about me, but apparently that was where I was like, this seems so weird. It's to the, the you know, the dulcet tones of Zach De La Roca and uh, Rage Against the Machine. So it's yeah. <laughs> yep. I was so glad they ended with that song. But um, mm. yeah, I I didn't love that either, but I excused it as like just being a very 90s kind of throwaway ending scene. I feel like a yeah. lot of kind of campy action movies had that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or maybe maybe that last tension. scene isn't totally canon. <laughs> well, no, I mean, you'll see in the sequels that that's still a thing. But I think the intention was to show you like how powerful he's become. I don't mm-hmm. know. Like, and it's like, well, flying is like the ultimate power fantasy or most commonly wished for superhero power. So. I get it's it. Weird. I'm with you. Though. Superman. Like, I'm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you. Uh, I will say, though, I really like the sequel. The first sequel uh, reloaded, I thought was great. Yeah. I mean, the car chase scene, Chris, that you talked about, just the way they set it up, like the amount of detail and actually having the cars and flipping them on this highway track and designing that whole layout without going into too much more detail. May, it's awesome. I would definitely recommend they um, built an artificial highway like to shoot mm-hmm. that scene like there's photos of like a, a couple of miles stretch worth of stuff yeah. like so that they could just they didn't have to worry about closing something wow. down that's really really impressive but mm-hmm. I, so I think the best thing about the sequel too is that it successfully expands the world right like there's all these mm-hmm. cool characters and terms that like kind of come that feel earned enough and like explained enough like the architect and the merovingian and all this like cool stuff that like I really liked in the second one. And then I feel like, like wasn't really capitalized on the third, but yeah. Yeah. The third one for me felt a little bit like it was just trying to wash, rinse and repeat everything that you would come to expect from the first two. And so it almost just felt like, okay, can we just get to the end? (laughs) Which I know it's not really what you want. I mean, it just felt very drawn out for what it was trying to, to tell. It became more of like, like an actual war movie than it was i felt like a basically terminator you know, right like 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 the mm-hmm. future battle of terminator is what the third one is largely like oh, again without giving too much away but yeah. which is wild because those movies i don't know if you remember they came out the same summer like matrix mm-hmm. reloaded was may and then yep. revolutions was august so it wasn't like they like had to take all this time to think about what they were going to do they shot them back to back and released them like on mm-hmm. bookends of the summer and oh, it was wow. just like what like it, 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 it was wild really this was better planned right <laughs> anyway yeah that was kind of back around the time where like movies were trying like trilogies in, in particular like when pirates of the caribbean did two and three and they were like we want to try and make this like a double feature kind of a deal and that was but i think that came after the matrix did it so it was sort of like yeah oh did. you know audiences will get really pumped if you try to do like two sequels and have them close together so yeah, yeah. i digress i may also uh may or may not have um written some fan fiction uh called the matrix rebooted (laughs) which may or may never see the light of day uh buried on a hard drive somewhere along with that mission impossible story i did back in the day but uh that's that's all we'll say about that so oh you um, you can't you can't just put that out there and not (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was it was it was fun i had yeah it was this it was like the two things mission impossible and the matrix i guess defined what I was into back in middle and high school. So, but yeah, what well, up about that? Let's get into who we think is the, uh, the biggest villain of the matrix. 
Um, I could either go ahead and just throw out some options, or if you guys had specific characters slash groups of people in mind, um, I can pass it over to you. Do you have a preference either way on how we do this? I say you provide the nominees. Like, yeah. uh, I think that's more fun because, like, you have the topic. So, mm-hmm. um, but I'm open. May what do you? What, how do you want to handle it? Uh, yeah. Uh, tell tell us uh, who our fighters are, Will. All right. So your contestants are from the individuals to the groups. I'm going to throw out. So the obvious antagonist for the for the matrix that everybody would probably think for first is going to be either agent smith or cypher so you've either got you know the program that's trying to kill neo or you've got cypher who's the human that turns on the team um however i'd like to throw out a couple other nominees to include neo himself (laughs) trinity and also i'm going to go with just humanity in general (laughs) So I'm just going to include everybody. The free humans, um, I'm assuming you mean like the people that are unplugged yeah. trying to. Yeah. Okay. Well, we could, we could play with this. A co- there's, there's a couple of different ways I would do that. And I'll explain with the reason why I might lean more towards humanity in general. As I'm guessing to why this you is... mean like nuking the sky, for instance. Yes. Yeah. So that for <laughs> me, there were two things. The reason why I thought that humanity in general gets to take one for this, this, uh, this issue is that nuking the sky basically destroying the planet because all the free humans are like we have to unplug everybody eventually we got to get out of the matrix um but where are you where are you going to go because the rest of the planet just looks like a charred piece of garbage and it's like well if you can grow plants you know is this a wally situation where you're trying to get a plant to grow and there's just all this garbage everywhere are you going to have a better life or are you going or would you be better off as a battery? <laughs> like, would you be better as a copper top for some machines to run or and also enjoy whatever reality you wanted to live out for yourself? Well, maybe not whatever reality, but a, 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 a group reality with everyone else in a world that seems much more vibrant than dealing with what the the remains of a nuclear fallout would have been. I think the one thing that made me think about it again, too, is there's a scene where uh, Agent Smith is talking to Morpheus when Morpheus has been captured, Morpheus being played by uh, Lawrence Fishburne and Agent Smith played by Hugo Weaving, where uh, Smith says something to him about the original Matrix was rejected by the humans that were put into it and that they they didn't seem to be able to accept any sort of utopian future for themselves and so an imperfect world with the matrix was what they gravitated toward and so that to me i thought well you've nuked the planet and the robots created this world for you to live in so that you'd stay healthy for them i mean sort of symbiotic in that respect and then you didn't like that anyway. So then you, you know, you, you had to revolt against that. Um, I think somebody even went out to say, like doing the the math, this is outside of the world, like outside of the, the film for this would be that you are dealing with a bunch of humans that may not really be able to power the matrix or power machines in general. Like as much as they want to say that humans could be a battery, that's not realistically possible. So if I read it that way, if it's, you know, if we're doing the math on that, and if that is legitimately true, then I would say that machines not only, you know, gave humanity a way to survive <laughs> and plugged into a machine, but then didn't go out of their way to try and murder all of them later. 
So, I mean, granted, this is also taking it within the context of this singular film and not the storyline that continues afterwards into two and three. So, but that, I think, very long-winded uh, thought process was where I thought, I don't know, man. I feel like the humans in this one don't really seem to stand up too well. And then in order to get what they need to get done, they have to, you know, kill other humans in the Matrix in order to to accomplish what their, their goals are. So... I don't know. That's where I, I I went from this this angle. But I'd be interested to hear what both of you have to say, either about individuals or groups. So, Chris, I'm going to pass it on over to you, sir. Well, I, it's interesting that you brought up sort of like the the math and logistics of it, because my immediate thought this most recent time watching around was like, OK, if they were to succeed, like in this like revolution, like watching Neo's like kind of emergence from the matrix how he just slides down the water slide from hell and like can't swim i'm like so would that happen to everybody at the same time and like like surely you're not saving all those people like they're just they're like slide down into the ocean like or are stuck in those tanks you're talking about billions of people that you're suddenly gonna have to feed and shelter and clothe and like trying not to use any foresight of like like what the reality is of like the free humans like and that that seems like a tall order regardless like great like of of what that looks like so um i'm with you there and then like i think like just on a fundamental like human needs level like um like kind of going i guess more on the emotional spectrum nobody seems particularly happy on the nebuchadnezzar yeah they complain about the food that they eat they don't look well clothed <laughs> like uh, like nobody's joking except for maybe mouse you know and cypher and even that's pretty like sardonic like and humor so um yeah i don't know man i, th- I think that's a really interesting argument and um i kind of i do question the morality of like thrusting somebody into that world without a choice right like of do you want this like you, you know it's one thing to reveal the truth to them uh, which I call bullshit on Morpheus is like, oh, you have to see it for yourself. You could very clearly be like, uh, so <laughs> sit down. You're in a simulation. <laughs> this is what's going on. Would you like to emerge or stay put, you know? And then like, you could just, he could just jump from one building to the next and be like, see, like we're in a simulation. I'd probably buy that <laughs> like personally, but in any event. Um, so I, I do think that like you could very, very uh, convincingly posit that the humans are villainous. I don't know if I would call them villains, like especially the free humans, but villainous in not at least weighing the ramifications of suddenly thrusting a bunch of people. Um, I mean, the psychological damage alone that you would have to deal with, too, from all those people. Um, my God, like it would be, be chaos, right? Um on the other hand, like uh, I do see sort of the what the movie's kind of hypothesis is, you know, as well with like the like machines aren't giving the humans a choice either one way or the other. Um, the agents certainly seem to not mind jumping into the bodies of people and letting them die and then kind of moving from place to place. Um, obviously, like there is sort of like control is the most important thing. Um in their defense, they did try to create a paradise, which was nice. Like that, that was their first, uh, <laughs> that was their first attempt at the matrix. Um, 
Yeah, uh, as far as I'll start there with the groups, and then we I'll, I'll, we can move to individuals. But I, I like I see both <laughs> sides of it. But I probably this is the most like I've ever felt like like you know, this most recent re- rewatch of like I don't know that this is like a smart thing to try to do like to to just free all these minds. But may I'll, I'll I'm curious to see what you have to say. So first of all, I don't believe Agent Smith whatsoever. Like I think he's lying <laughs> through his ass about oh, okay. the whole utopia thing. Like yeah. He's he's trying to manipulate a drugged Morpheus into saying the truth and completely crushes spirit. Like it feels very much like a manipulation tactic, not a sudden yeah. revelation of the truth. Um, so no, I don't think that ever happened. Um <laughs> <laughs> personally. Um and secondly, like I see an argument for like the original humans fighting the AI. Because there's that whole, like, you created this evil and then destroyed yourselves trying to crush it, essentially, narrative. Um, Mm. And I think whoever was in power at the time and, like, actually hit the button on those nukes is definitely a villain. (laughs) Um, But in terms of, like, our modern-day humans, I, I don't see it, personally. And I will push back slightly, Chris, on your argument that, uh, you know... Morpheus could have just explained it because I don't know think about anyone in the modern day trying to like um, convince someone else of either a conspiracy theory or something that it is true and will document it but just kind of doesn't fit with their worldview it's impossible basically listen and... man you jump you jump like t- like 200 feet into the air and I'm gonna be like <laughs> word one of those people can do that like like you got me dude like anti-vax like whatever if you can just leap into the air like <laughs> I'm gonna start drinking the tea like okay, I'm, sorry. <laughs> <Interrupt> <laughs> <you>. <laughs> I'm saying he's gonna demonstrate I think explanation wouldn't be enough but sorry continue <laughs> no you're good I mean I, I cynically my first thought is like if you saw someone do that you'd be like oh shit this person's like an alien we need to kill them like <laughs> that seems like a more human response <laughs> anyway um so yeah i i do think like that if you see it whatever thing um is like fairly reasonable um i think where it does backfire is obviously with cypher mm-hmm. and i, I we'll, we'll talk about him more later i'm sure but yeah just in terms of humans as a whole i don't really see them as the villain as the villains i do see the ai and agent smith as more the clear villains but you also have to like say what is villainy because you can also say the ai was just fighting to survive and the humans were also just fighting to survive so maybe no one is the villain oh dun 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 (laughs) we we doing some like obi-wan kenobi from a certain point of view shit like (laughs) he was just following his programming i mean come on you know that was his job that was his one job (laughs) Uh, yeah i mean it's a valid point so what do we think about individuals then? I mean, we let's let's go ahead and jump over to Agent Smith and talk a little bit more more about his character, at least in the context of the first film, um, and what we think about that. So, Chris, I'll uh, I'll pass it back over to you for your thoughts on that. Yeah. So you already kind of brought up something that like you touched on it that I was uh, I was going to say like a lot of this kind of depends like from the you know the agents and like the you know the synthetic side of things. You will say like. 
if you think that they're actually sentient or are they just running on a program, right? Like, like have they become truly sentient or is it just a bunch of operations that are running that are telling them to, to do what they're doing, right? If it's that, I think like, no, like not necessarily. Like they're kind of just reacting to the stimuli and the input and it's like input output kind of thing. If we, if they are truly sentient, um, I feel like, yes, like Agent Smith, like you probably could say is a villain because he doesn't really try much in the way of diplomacy. It is pretty much <laughs> seek and destroy and like control, right? Like mm-hmm. he does bargain a little bit with Cypher, but um, the end goal is sort of like, give me access to the mainframe. We want to wipe out humanity. It's not like, can we come to an arrangement, right? Like, here's what we need, like for power, like to survive, can we like free X amount of people like, you know, or I don't know, like there's just no attempts at like diplomacy. So I think like that is a pretty big black mark. And also again, like the tactics, like the agent Smith uses like all throughout. And again, like don't want to talk too much about the sequels, but like he's pretty clearly in the villain camp for me, for sure. I don't know if there is a single, I, this is one thing I wasn't totally clear on plot wise. I don't know if there is like a single intelligence and each agent is just kind of like a tool of that intelligence or if they each have their own like intelligences <laughs> they grapple with that um, in the next the next movie and the one after i don't want to yeah. say what it is though okay well it was unclear to me so I, whether he's an independent agent or is part of the greater whole i mean yeah he's he's pretty ruthless I, I again the human the humans are too right but i do think it's in response to the ai largely like the ai is the instigator he also says shit like i'm going to enjoy watching you like die right like, yeah there's that <laughs> things too. like that <laughs> <laughs> take some of the yeah. ambiguity <laughs> that's, that's that off the cuff remark you know <laughs> Although to play devil's advocate just a little bit, did we see an agent kill anybody besides Neo? Tech? And even then, Neo came back. So did anybody actually get murdered by an agent in this film, or was it all by the other humans that were working on their behalf? Because Mouse ended up getting shot by the cops, the SWAT team, and then Cypher murdered everybody else. So I don't remember seeing, I mean, they interrogated Neo, they interrogated Morpheus, but I don't remember an agent actually killing anybody in this film. The only person who says that they have is Morpheus telling Neo that. They try. I feel like they they try. Don't they kill the people that they take over? Only if, so they inhabit, I guess they're, from what I understood, they only inhabit that person when they're, like controlling them but once they get murdered by somebody in the matrix then they just leave that body and go to somebody else that's what i thought but i could be wrong yes i feel like if you're essentially using someone as a human shield and then shooting at someone else (laughs) the fact that that person shot back at you and therefore killed your human shield doesn't leave you blameless (laughs) i guess that's valid (laughs) if anything apparently they're yeah yeah yeah, I can go with that. <laughs> Just a thought, though. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate you uh, trying to uh, think like an agent. Yeah, no, yeah. You know, just using hostages. It's fine, right? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. 
So besides that, then I guess moving over to the people that are manipulated by them. I mean, we've got, I mean, there are other people that exist that think that they're following orders from like the FBI or whoever. I mean, it's pretty much like a diehard moment between Smith and the cop at the beginning of the film. Um, but, you know, so you've got the SWAT team guys that are there or like the the guards in the at the building where Morpheus is held. Um, but you've also got Cypher, obviously, is the clear sort of um, traitor in the midst of of trying to get what he wants in exchange for turning over Morpheus and and basically the rest of his crew is expendable. So thoughts as to just how much of a scumbag Cypher is cuz I mean for me <laughs> once you once you go went I mean once you made the first choice man everything after that I'm like well that yeah you you made your decision and you have separated yourself from the tribe and yes you are pretty villainous. So but more thoughts on that. And May, I'll, I'll pass this one over to you first. I I think Cypher is a shitty human being, but I don't think he's a villain. Hmm. Or at least the arch villain. Because, like, his motives are selfish, for sure. But it's also kind of, to him, I think, a matter of, like, survival. Like, I don't, I don't think he feels like he can continue to survive outside the Matrix. He's been unfortunately put in this desperate spot by the Matrix itself, right? Um, and the situation that's been created. So I I see the Matrix as kind of the villain putting Cipher in a hard place. Um, mm. Still a scummy human being, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't think that like in a vacuum he would have made any of the same choices. How about you, Chris? What do you think? Uh, I think he's a piece of villain. I don't know. Like the most telling thing to me about like his actions, um, like sort of his plan and then actions is that like, he's like, I don't want to remember nothing. Like he's just like, he knows that like what he's doing is probably going to torture him the rest of his existence. Right. So he has to erase like the, the crimes. He's willing to like give up all the free humans. Right. Like, um, by giving up Morpheus, who's going to give up the access codes. He's unplugging people, like, you know, as they're, like, helpless. Um, and, like, yes, like, I, I know he wants to get back in the mage. That's his, like, sole goal. I don't know if there would be a different way. Like, I don't know if there's, like, a surrender program where you could just, like, walk up to the machine city and be like, help, I want to go back in. Um, the other thing just, is, like... I feel like, and again, this is based off not seeing the sequels, but I don't know if that is even possible and if the matrix was just lying to him lying to, use to him. him yeah um i'm not 100 sure either honestly it's been a long time since i've seen the sequels but it's a good question um but yeah i just think the fact that you're willing to you know um be the sole cause of like a hundred plus thousand i don't remember how many people are in new zion or whatever it's called but like people's like deaths just so you can get back into to the matrix is like it's shitty like yeah he's in a bad spot and that would be a hard adjustment to make as i've already talked about it. like the people don't seem very happy but um i feel like that's a that's a lot of uh that's a big body count on your head on your hands right you know like uh, for for your own individual good so i'm gonna say villain yeah i'd have to say the same if you're gonna sell out the whole species then yeah <laughs> that's pretty that's pretty terrible but I could also understand too that for him, it's like 
he's just at his wits end and he doesn't know what else he can do and he's just trying to to figure out a way to make it work for him and sometimes too when you feel separated enough from the group you don't feel like anybody really has your back that it's easy to sort of think that everybody else is really your enemy anyway and so what's the the difference so i can see it either Mm -hmm. i think there's an element of ideology in it too because Mm -hmm. he talks a few times about wishing he'd taken the blue pill and i i think he does like having seen both sides now think that like being in the simulation is the superior option for humanity and i think that a lot of most of it's selfish and just wanting to not think about anything like this anymore but i think part of it too is just him wanting to stop anyone from threatening the matrix and mm-hmm. his his life there yeah honestly given the too. choice i would probably lean heavily towards like plug me into the simulation like given mm-hmm. like the reality of like what that world looks like and and like I mean, I, I don't know. I would certainly consider it. Like, I'm not saying it would be like an easy choice, but uh, like. Did anyone seem happy in the simulation, though? Like, we've talked about how the outside's kind of miserable, but it seemed like the inside was, too. You're stuck in a corporate cubicle from nine to five. Yeah, that's some people. <laughs> There's people that are having a ball. Let me tell you. I was going to say, look, that's, that's Tom's they're, fault. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there are people having a good time in there. It's just that, like, they have to balance it out, like, like the real world, right? Like, they're going to be people yeah. that are wealthy, people that are poor, people that have you know a happy life and other people that don't so it's kind of like the wide spectrum like i'll take my chances like of at least having a shot you know and being able to enjoy like a steak versus like the the bull of snot um every day <laughs> you know like tasty wheat i don't know <laughs> i i guess i'm not saying it'd be a clear-cut choice for me but i, I it is an interesting quandary you'd yeah. play the simulation roulette i would yep I would, I think. I, I mean, I'm leaning towards that anyway. I guess that's not my final, final answer, but it would certainly be something I would weigh for sure. And I do think he's he's a great illustration of the point where he clearly feels a little robbed um, of the choice that he made. Like with like, mm, had I known then what I know now, I would have gone like made the other choice. And I think that's like a, it's a great illustration of like you should probably let people know what they're in for and let them choose and not just like say like it's in your best interest to do what I think like as the, the better of the two realities. Right. Well, with that in mind, after we've covered so many folks here, um, do you, either of you have any other thoughts, whether it's about the the villain of the film or just in general uh, from watching the matrix that you would like to make sure that we talk about and may, since this was your first go around, want to make sure that you got everything in that you wanted to say. So I'm going to pass it over to you. I do feel like Neo the one time I was kind of like, Neo, why'd you do that? Uh, <laughs> was after the Oracle tells him that Morpheus is going to sacrifice himself for him. And even though the Oracle's like, you know, oh, you can't change it. Like, don't tell him. Like, he should have mentioned something. He had ample opportunity before they got jumped. Like, <laughs> especially the thing about him not being the one. Because, like, I I feel like Morpheus does put a lot of weight in the Oracle, maybe more so than the Oracle realizes. And Um, he's also very anti-fate, so it seems like it would be natural for him, right, to be like, yo, this this crazy lady told me, like, I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but, like, just simply, like, don't do that. Like, leave me to die. It's fine. Like, I'm not the one. Like. 
Yeah. But also she kind of makes the point of like, well, um, the vase, right, is like a great like uh it's gonna bake your noodle later. Like as she says, like if I had, you know, not mentioned it, would you still have broken the vase kind of thing? So that's a good point. She might be manipulating him a little bit there. Um, I mean, she definitely is because he is the one, right? And Trinity makes that comment about like, or maybe it was Morpheus. One of them comments that like she said that because that's what you needed to hear or whatever. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I, um, I was very sad that actress passed away. The Oracle is a character in the subsequent films, but they had to recast her. And I think the well, replacement actress did all right. But like, I loved like there was just such a. I'm like, I want to go sit and like have cookies and chat in that kitchen with the Oracle. Like not even about like the future of fate. Like I just want to talk like about like anything because it looks like such a homey, cool little spot. But right? very grandmotherly. Mm-hmm. I also think it's interesting that uh, like I, I makes me wonder if there's other people in the Matrix who know the truth, but just choose to stay in the Matrix also plead the fifth on this because <laughs> it is explored in subsequent things okay okay well i am excited to see that exploration um my only other thought was also on like the trinity neo romance um like i saw it coming from a mile away that uh neo had a lot of jesusy things going on and was probably going to have to die at some point to like fully come into himself um and like I said, I, I love that it was a Disney princess kiss that uh, brought him out of that. But it also came very much out of left field for me. And like thinking back, it's like, yeah, I can see some some like sexual tension being built up. But it's, it's not a lot. It does kind of like surprise. I think that's because both of those like no disrespect, like they're good at what they do. But like both of those performances are pretty like. I don't want to like be disparaging. Like, I don't want to say like one note, but like they're they're dry. Like, um, and I know some of that's intentional. Like, it's been discussed, but there's not a lot of emoting from either one of them. Um, in any like, not even just the romantic scenes. Um, but I that's one of the things. So I mentioned like in our little group chat, like this movie feels timeless in some ways, and like so of its time in others. The romance where there has to be a coupling between like the the main like female and male lead like in the film like uh is like the most 90s shit ever (laughs) (laughs) they could have just been like great like companions friends right um i don't know like it's i i can overlook it and forgive it but yeah it is very much of the time i remember how in the sequel when it came out there was a big buzz in the news about how it was supposed to be like sexed up because there's like a there is a sex scene in that movie and it's also like interspersed with cutscenes with this big like also very sexually charged like mosh pit dance that's going on which again i can't give more context than that but i was like this is this was like a big deal in the news this was what people wanted to apparently wanted to talk about and i thought and this was back before like sex was as i guess like softcore sex was as much as it is in television and movies now where it's just like oh what you know bridgerton you know netflix whatever but yeah back then where it was like ah maybe if you watch like premium cable or if you have like (laughs) sopranos right yeah stuff like sopranos yeah yeah where it's like same year this came out oh there there you go 
So it was sort of becoming like more mainstream, but it was still kind of like, I don't know, it was just, it was newsworthy. And I thought, this is so weird. Like, <laughs> like this is what you want to talk about? Not the awesome, like, martial arts, like the the bullet time and the slow moving agent battles. Like, though, no, you want to talk about sex on the Matrix. Okay. <laughs> Man, I am shocked that like, of all the things that culturally I just kind of knew about the Matrix, I didn't know about the helicopter, like, fight ah. scenes. Those are amazing. That was like probably like my favorite like action sequence of the whole film. Yeah. Mm. Especially the ripple effect when it hits the side of the building was just really cool. Like how it just yeah. goes across. Always I don't know why that's always stuck in my head, but it has. It's a cool effect. Mm. Yeah. But no, well, th- like there's been like subsequent memes, right? Like I watched The Matrix for the plot. Um the plot and it's like trinity getting on the motorcycle and like her ah. like ass is just like in like mm. full frame like yeah. Um <laughs> I think they do they do some interesting stuff with set. I mean to like, you know, not to get too far into the weeds, but like in the second film in particular, I think there's a lot of like it's just not like sex for sex sake. Like there's some really interesting conversations about, you know, polyamory and like um some mm-hmm. of the other stuff. I, I don't want to like go too too deep down the rabbit hole, but like yeah, there's a lot of like interesting things in that world. And Mouse kind of touches on it on this one a little bit of like, like, why are we so ashamed of our needs? Like all all mm-hmm. all of them are making fun of me. Like mm-hmm. yeah, like I want to get off once in a while. And like since I have <laughs> like access to like this like simulation program, like why the fuck not? Right. Like um and I yeah. I think they they take that into some interesting direction. Like it's not a big part of the second one, but yeah, I think again about like sort of towards the back half of the film. You know what I'm talking about, though. But oh, I did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's why he was I... the happiest character. Yeah. yeah. Oh, mouse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'll eat this tasty wheat all day. It doesn't matter because you know why? I'm I'm good later. It's fine. So. <laughs> I mean, I will say it makes sense for a film that is in many ways an allegory for like <laughs> sexuality and gender liberation. Like um, the Wachowskis, I think, knew whether it was subconsciously or consciously, I think they had a really great um, sort of crystal ball. And so like what the Internet would become and sort of like, you know, worldviews on things. Um, very pressing in a lot of ways and some interesting questions asked. But and it's one of those chicken or the eggs things too, because like I feel like this movie was very influential on in pop culture with how people viewed the internet and VR and all this stuff. So it's yeah, like well, did like this play some kind of small role into where things ended up? Well, who knows? So it's another base yeah. uh, moment. Yeah, <laughs> another base <laughs> moment. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> And definitely like spoofed so many times, like especially like just like like Trinity's little like where she jumps up into the air at the very beginning before she kicks the cop and does that little pose. <laughs> I just remember that being spoofed so much in pop culture and films that came after. I mean, you, you know, you're talking Shrek, you're talking like there was, um, oh, geez, there's like a chris evans scarlett johansson film before they ever did marvel that was about them breaking in to steal like the sat scores for their high school and she has this uh scarlett johansson's character has like this like um daydream that to do it to get in and find the stuff she does like the trinity move where she's kicking the crap out of like school personnel to get in and get her way through and i thought that's that's pretty funny but yeah so it's definitely not only been influenced by a lot of things in pop culture, but definitely contributed to it. So, 
All right, guys. Well, I think it's probably about time to wrap up and cast your final vote for who you think the biggest villain in the Matrix <laughs> is. Drum roll. All right. So, May, who you got? I, and it's the Matrix, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> it's I like mean, the I, Matrix can suck it. <laughs> I, I am admittedly uh, human biased. Um, like I said earlier, like it is truly a battle for survival between two parties. And like, ideally, they would have come to some compromise instead of it turning into a war like it did. But that's how it happened. And it's hard to blame either side for fighting to survive. Right. Um, but since, you know, I'm biased towards humans, I'm going to have to say the Matrix. <laughs> um, and I don't really buy the fact that they created a utopia. And like, even if there's a shred of truth to that. I think it's less a reflection of like, oh, humans being innately terrible and unhappy with anything and more a reflection of the fact that like, yeah, if you rip a bunch of people from their normal lives and put them in a scenario they've never been in before, they're probably going to freak out and try to get out. That seems like a human response. And Mm -hmm. machines, I think, just don't understand humans completely. Um, Uh, Chris, what do you think? Yeah, uh, it's I mean, uh, the Matrix, the robots, whatever you want to call it, like I I could apply my same argument of like you should give people the choice um, to being uh, basically a human battery. Right. I feel like um, as much as uh, I think you can and should make the argument of like, oh, is it ethical to rip people out of the Matrix? I think it's even worse to like put them into that and then to kind of feed off of off of them mm-hmm. without giving them a choice in that matter as well like hey here's like a mutually beneficial thing like you go into a happy like simulation where you can be fed and return we get some power like cool what do you want to be what do you want to do like what's real maybe it could be like a you know like what's what, what kind of vacation do you want to go on like total recall you know kind of thing like um <laughs> and maybe maybe that's all it took right it's like everyone gets to pick their own and, and then you don't rebel because you have exactly what you want it doesn't seem so hard to me so um mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think the fact that uh, these people are stuck in like the late 90s is unforgivable. No, (laughs) 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 new metal forever. That's that's all they get. Um, Yeah, uh, an interesting sidebar is like, so does time like reset? Like, how does that work? Like, it's not perpetually 1999. So like, does a simulation get to like a a point and then like, like start over? Like, something i never thought about but um but yeah it's you gotta watch the gotta watch the fourth movie man oh cool okay yeah. word <clears throat> yeah all right that's a, a cool thing to, to learn about i will tell you um i'll have you know may like hop off at the end of this I'll, I'll tell you like something that was my theory for like the end of where like the second one ends that in my mind is like a way cooler explanation for where it goes. And I was very excited because <laughs> I was like, oh, how how novel, how cool, how interesting. But mm-hmm. anyway, what about you, Will? What do you, who is the real villain to you? Ooh. Well, I guess we have to go off of what we know, right? We can, <clears throat> as May pointed out, we, we don't necessarily have to trust what we're told by characters in the film. Mm-hmm. So we have yeah. to go off of what we see and what we do know. And as much as I would say that it sucks for humans killing their own people in the matrix if they're so bought into the system that they wouldn't believe you anyway then they are still kind of your enemy if the agents are going to come after you and use them as human shields still the enemy 
Uh, so the person who really seems to have the most amount of choice is either Cypher or it's the person, like you said, that or entity or group that created the Matrix, who seems to have the most sway over everything else that's going on. So I think ultimately the Matrix is correct because it is it is the environment that has created the situation that everybody's in. Um, and without, again, discussing more that comes into subsequent films, you you do learn more about the history of the Matrix and its intent. And so to some extent, there is that as well. Um, so yeah, I would say the control is the factor because everybody else is trying to find some way to escape that and also protect those that they care about. Um, I would say that is as nefarious as Agent Smith is in this film, um, I do find that I, as far as I can tell, he's just a program doing what he was made to do. So he is part of the control of the matrix. And so, yeah, the person who set it all up, we're going to say that's the, <laughs> that's the villain. So, and I think that's, that's where we'll, we'll end it <laughs> until the sequels. We talk about those. All right, Chris, I'll uh, pass it back over to you, sir. Uh, but also before we wrap up and move on to the next thing, May and Chris, thank you so much for being down to watch this film. I love it. I'm glad that Chris, for you to get some new, some new perspective on it and May for you to experience it in its entirety. Um, so thank you. Hey, thank you. I'm very glad yeah. you gave me a reason to start it back up again. <laughs> yeah, great pick to get for, to reload for it. first yeah. film of uh, 2023. It's amazing. Well, nice. I thought we would end things uh, with a little cooperative uh, game for once. Um, I, a game I'm using like very lightly here. Um, so as of this weekend, Avatar The Way of Water has crossed the $2 billion mark. Ooh. Um, for box office gross, uh, never bet against James Cameron. I've said it once. I'll say it a million times. Um, it's a great film. I liked it a lot. Um, not perfect, but a lot of fun. Uh, so that puts it at number six in the top 10 highest grossing films of all time. Collaboratively, uh, I want to see if you guys can come up with the top five. If you, if you know, the top five are, I'm going to give you five wrong guesses like so like plenty of runway here and i will give you three hints if you need them so mm-hmm. you uh you can ask for the hints whenever you want so like if you want a hint to start like that's fair game but you have basically um up to five wrong guesses to uh pick what the other ones and these are all two billion plus films mm-hmm. um and that's as of today <laughs> 122 2023 when we're recording this so would you like to start (laughs) all right titanic will says final answer yes that is one of them cool um i want to say gone with the wind do you concur will uh I feel like it's definitely up there as much as I wish that it wasn't. Um, Same, but... <laughs> but yeah, I feel like it's, I would go with that. Okay. All right. That's your first incorrect guess. Uh, just to clarify, these are not adjusted for inflation. If that one was adjusted uh, for inflation, uh, it would be, I gotcha. these are okay. just like, just straight worldwide gross. Well, that's mm. not fair. We didn't know that. <laughs> All right. Fine. I'll take it away. I'll take it away. That's fair. 
I probably should have stipulated the uh, the parameters. Okay. Mm. Uh, yeah, that changes my thinking a lot. Um, Dark Knight, one of the Dark Knights. What do you think, Well, mm. I don't know. Did, did Nolan have it to push it that far? Maybe. I'll go with that with you. Which one? I'll I'll, I'll go with Dark Knight. Okay. All right. That is your first official <laughs> incorrect guess. <laughs> so the Dark Knight is it is on like the list of like in the top 30 or so. Oh. I see Dark Knight Rises, Blah. but no, it is not uh mm. it is not in the top 10 or 5. I feel like Jurassic Park or Star Wars has got to be in there somewhere, but I could be wrong. Um, was it or but it's not a, it's not adjusted for inflation because I was about to say Jaws was probably going to be in there too but man yeah hmm. I I'd feel good about Jurassic Park because that was nineties right mm-hmm. I feel like that's recent enough we're gonna we're gonna say Jurassic Park the original the OG <laughs> I think so yeah all right Chris I'm I'm answer yeah. All right. That is your second incorrect guess. No. Uh, the highest Dino is Jurassic, why. Jurassic uh, <laughs> film is not Jurassic Park. It is Jurassic World. And that's all I'll say really? on it. But hmm. not telling this you. This list is not accounting for taste. All right. Would you like a hint? Hmm. You have three hints that you can get. You have two incorrect I, I guesses. I think so. Yeah. All right. Elliot your agrees. first. Your first hint is the while not Disney like studio film. Um, sadly <laughs> enough, Disney is now the owner of all of the studios or properties that are in the top five oh. list. So that's your first hint. I'll help you narrow it down a little bit. So again, I... not necessarily a Disney film, but like they are, they fall under the Disney umbrella now. I feel like Avengers and Star Wars will be on that list then. I'm wondering if he's talking about 20th Century Fox. So if that's the case. That uh, 20th Century Fox is under the umbrella. I will clarify that. <sighs> yeah. Weird. Man, is this going to be like James Cameron just owns it? Because, I mean, it Terminator Dark Fate came out, and I feel like that was probably like a big film, even though he didn't direct it. Like, having produced it, I feel like maybe. Hmm. Well, if we need a fallback option... I'm going to jot it down, but I feel like Terminator Dark Fate would be up on there. I feel like I've seen Avengers Endgame being yeah. listed at the top of a lot of things. Do you want to say that? I do. Yes. Okay. Avengers Endgame. <laughs> Second correct, yes. Yeah. It's number two currently <laughs> at $2.7 billion nice. worldwide gross. So is another hint or another guess? As is the original Avatar, are we feeling May like that's still in the top, like the first one, and then he just slightly surpassed it? <laughs> that could be. Yeah, I'd be fine going for that. We're going to go with the original Avatar, please, Chris, for however much. As your third correct hey. guess, it is currently the number one because they had the theatrical run that put oh, it back yeah. on top. There was a, a new nice. theatrical run. So you have three correct guesses, two incorrect guesses, two hints remaining. Oh, do you want to do a hint? Let's do a hint. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the two remaining films are both sequels. 
Top Gun ever. <laughs> I Maybe. feel like I feel yeah. the need for speed and I feel like it's it's got it. I mean, I finally saw that film. It is amazing. So. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm gonna yeah. Have to go I'm, with Top Gun. I'm fine with that. Top Gun Maverick. That is your third incorrect guess. No! Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> Tom Cruise. Did make a lot of money. It is number uh, 12 currently with 1.4 yeah. billion, which is still pretty impressive. Tom, yeah, you let me cool. down. Yeah. Right. Two mm-hmm. more incorrect guesses and you're out. Um, and you got one more hint. We feel in another hint or we want to hold on to that? I, I guess we just get the hint now. Okay. What you got, Chris? Trying to think what hint I want to give because uh, one of the hints, <laughs> one, of the hints one of the hints I was gonna give like is like like not relevant anymore because you've guessed oh. the films that it would have led you to. Uh, so okay. um I have another guess idea. Well it could be Toy yeah. Story Three. Oh hmm. mm. trying to think what I both of these films came out within the last eight years. <clears throat> Let's see their hint I'll give you. They're probably not Toy Story 3. No, that, that came out. Or did it? Uh, did yeah, it? more recently. Like five-ish. Right before COVID, I guess, maybe. Yeah, I can't remember when that film came out. Jeez. I'm pretty sure I was either in college or just graduated. So that would have been okay. in the last like six-ish years. Okay. Hey, I'm down to guess it if you think if if you're feeling good and you wanna you wanna lock it in, why not? I've not been great on any of these. Do you have another <laughs> I, one? I haven't either. It's okay. Okay. Toy Story Three. <laughs> no. Incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You are on your two. final incorrect guess. So any incorrect guesses will end the game. Mm-hmm. You got your two well. four films. <laughs> recap your hints. All of the films um fall under the Disney Umbrella. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of the remaining films are sequels, mm-hmm. and um, both of the films came out within the last eight years. I'm feeling Terminator. It's probably in the last right. eight years. Yeah, I, uh, Dark Fate was in the last eight years. I would urge you. I'm not saying that that's incorrect necessarily. I would urge you to take stock of. What falls under the Disney umbrella? Go through their the IP and studios and all that uh, stuff. That they own. Okay, gotcha. So think about Disney IP, mm. which is kind of like a hint three point five, but like <laughs> we, we want to say one of the Star Wars remakes. Probably is. Yeah. I don't know which one though. Oof, I feel like the Last Jedi was probably the middle one yeah the most divisive but also the most see i'm leaning towards the other two <laughs> the force awakens yeah mm. that was like the first star wars movie in so long that's yeah, true but then also i think the last movie was big so eh. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking to yourself we're talking ourselves out of it yeah Pick one, Will. I have not had good intuition on this one. I'm gonna lock. I'm gonna go with Last Jedi. Final answer. Yep. No! Unfortunately, oh! May's instincts were spot on. Your, nice. my, your remaining films were The Force Awakens. Um, nice. spot on the logic too. It was the 
uh, first Star Wars film in a long time, and it was well received pretty much universally. Uh, and then the other one may announced uh, much earlier in the game, which was uh, Avengers Endgame, um, was the uh, second highest grossing film at two point seven nine seven billion. Didn't so. we guess that though? Oh, maybe it was Avengers. Yeah. Sorry, was Infinity War. Infinity War. You didn't get. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, my bad. Yeah. Yes, you said but Infinity War is the other one. So yes, Marvel uh, properties. Sorry, that was number five at two point oh four eight billion dollars well we came close so, yeah not bad not bad yeah. at all like you were on the right track you had it i was actually really impressed that you got titanic and avatar just because it would seem like those like movies would have fallen off the list by now um pretty crazy that he's about to have three of the top five grossing films like ever you know if wave water continues to to tick upward it just needs to to make um what 25 uh, million dollars more and it'll be there so that's crazy that is crazy just james cameron things yeah just james cameron things indeed but well done y'all seriously that was uh that was fun um that was a fun game thank you for something collaboratively you know like uh, (laughs) instead of competitively to kick off the new year so uh and with that we just need to draw our next uh main quest and it'll be time to call it an evening I'm excited. Let's see what we have here. It is a director drill down. We haven't had one of these, but once I believe. So let me take a look at which of the directors will be watching. And it is, I think it's a May one, but hold for confirmation. It is. Hey. So we will be discussing films by. Bong Joon Ho. So May had uh, put Snowpiercer and Parasite as the two films we'll be watching. So as with other director drill downs and versus modes and things, we have elected to go one film per week. So I will leave it up to May. Would you like to start with Snowpiercer or Parasite? What would you like to watch first? Um, so caveat is I have not seen Snowpiercer, but I loved Parasite, and that's why I wanted to put him as my director, drill down and talk about Snowpiercer as well. Having not seen it, my gut says to watch it first, just because chronologically it came out before Parasite. Yep. I like cool. it. That sounds good. So our next film will be Snowpiercer, which is a certified banger. Cannot wait uh to watch this. Have you seen it before, Will? <laughs> I have, and it is, it's a trip, man. <laughs> it is that, a trip. That's a double entendre because it takes place on a train. <laughs> hey, choo-choo. All, all I know about Snowpiercer is uh, from a video essay that I watched that very compellingly, surprisingly compellingly, argues that both Snowpiercer and Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory exist in the same cinematic universe. Oh, I love weird shit like that. That's a lot of, <laughs> that's a lot of fun. And you know what? Why not? Like... <laughs> So we'll have to uh, link to that in the next uh, next episode. episode. Absolutely. Great. Well, uh, thanks for hanging out with us. We will have um, uh, probably in a couple of episodes an announcement on what our new main quests are going to be. I like to keep the side quests secret, but we'll certainly tell you um, what uh, the new main quests are for the year. And uh, we'll keep the films, of course, a secret but we'll be mixing them into our current deck. 
to kind of round things out a bit more, replenish the stocks and hopefully give everybody just a bit more variety. But until next week, uh, we love you, appreciate you. And thanks for watching and listening. Bye. Bye, Bye guys. <laughs>